this time and let our children go to children's church. So those of you that saw the play, didn't they do a great job? I don't think theatrics will be the same since then. So at this time, Pastor's going to come and give us the word. So let's give him a warm welcome as he comes. Very excited to have family in the house, Larry, who have uh, joined us today. And uh, how awesome to have a daughter. So that's 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 awesome. I mean, you know, um, I, don't, I don't think my kids won't come hang out with me if they got a free weekend. So I, I brag on Lauren right now and, and on the job Larry and Tammy's done. Amen. And then to come hang out with her favorite aunt and uncle. So uh, that's even better. Did I say that out? That's on. That's my picture. Okay. Uh, listen, I've always told this, and I'll say it. I ain't got a lot of competition, y'all. I mean, I'm gonna say that publicly. Uh, I'm, I, I'm, I don't. I mean, I, I, I've just, I've been very fortunate to just uh, have, have the, 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 the toughest one of the bunch, and because she's the toughest one, I don't have to fight hard to be the favorite. She just, <laughs> Debbie's tough, y'all. She's just tough. She keeps everybody in line, and so I'm just smile and just follow along. Uh, good to see everybody. Excited about today. Uh, just excited about uh, God's activity and what he's doing in our church and in, in Evangel. It's his church, and we get to be a part of what he's doing, and so very honored to be a part of it. Uh, all the, um, the discussion that was shared earlier, we are, uh, we are very um, confident that God is leading all of us and that he's going to have his will, amen? And we submit to that, and we uh, have believed for months that he has, a, he has a plan that he's working in our lives and through our lives, and so we're trusting him for that and excited to see what the next chapter holds for everyone involved. Uh, and, and so I'm going to get right into the message today. I'm going to talk about hard work or working hard. Y'all know there's a difference, right? Uh, I, I was working hard in my office back there while I go on some stuff about the message, uh, but... but um, I work, it was hard work Thursday night that I did. So there's a difference. One, you know, hard work is when you actually have to ex put labor in. You actually sweat. It's, it's difficult. You're trying to accomplish something. Working hard can be sitting in an office. It can be sitting and relaxed and not a lot going on. I, I, I mean, uh, here recently, Debbie and I, it's, it, it's been it, we've been working hard driving back and forth to church, but, but it's not like the hard work, okay? That's just working hard. That's just driving down the road. That, there's, there's a difference, and I, I'm not going to spend a lot of time trying to explain this to you. I just want to show you something in Scripture about what I think is a call to us to work hard, okay? I believe the Scripture is pretty clear that we're called to work hard. Uh, and 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 whatever I whenever I say that, it's not really hard work if we can buy into the work. Okay, if we can buy into what we're supposed to be doing. Okay, uh, I'm gonna give you a passage. It's in First Corinthians chapter three. I'm gonna read a section. It's ten through fifteen. The verses. I want you to listen to it. It says, "Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be careful, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we've we already have." And he says, "Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials: gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work." Each builder has done. So there's work in the scripture, right? And the scripture makes it clear it's hard work and there's working hard. And we're going to talk about that. Uh, the fire will show if a person's work has any value. 
If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. So why would anyone be ashamed of their works before God? You ever thought about that? Oh, we're doing this for the kingdom. I'm doing this for you, Lord. I'm serving you. I'm, I'm doing what you've called me to do. I want to be the person you've called me to be. Why would anyone be ashamed of their works before God? Uh, I think it's pretty clear because their works won't survive the fire judgment. I believe there are things that we do that, are, that, are, that we're working hard at that may, may not have the value to it. May I have worth to it. May not be what God's called us to be. Uh, the day of judgment, it says, is going to bring light, bring to light the foundation we build on. So it's not that it's just going to destroy our works. It's going to reveal what we valued, what we felt was the secure and the solid and the firm foundation for our life. And whether we're building on his foundation or ours. So it's pretty clear that there seems to be a couple of foundations here. He's got a foundation that he's presented. He's given us this plan. It's in his scriptures. He's laid out the plan through his son, Jesus Christ. He's given us just, just design after design through the, through the gospels and through all the epistles all the way to the end of the book of Revelation, laying out what's coming in the future. And he's given us all of that. It's like this this master book of planning and, 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 and work before God. And then he says, okay, there's a chance you might not be building on this. You may have your little book over here, or you may be trying to insert stuff in it that, that fits into your way. And all of our works are going to be tested by fire. So he's basically telling us something that I I'm going to take you to a story, okay? I want to take you to John 9. I want to take you to Jesus. I want to take you to some comments that he made that sort of ties in with this, I think, that we can better see what's going on here because I think this is a justifiable thought right here for our lives related to this, this hard work of working hard. It's from John chapter 9, verses 1 through 11. I'm just going to sort of break it down for us as we read it. It begins in verse 1. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? Now, that's a legitimate question. Uh, matter of fact, I, I'm, nothing really has changed uh, when it comes to assuming things. We all assume things, right? We all look at stuff and make an assumption about it. Uh, somebody must have done something wrong, somebody's got to be to blame. We get to all those thoughts in our life. We see people's lives, we see things falling apart, we see their struggles, we see their pain, we see uh, how far off they are from what they started. We know people that start out in the church and they end up so far away from God. And we'll all ask, we all have asked, I've asked it, you've asked it, why? Why, when it comes to the way people are, why do they do this? What's wrong? Who did, who did, who caused that? What is, what's to blame? And I admit I'm horrible at that. I, guys, I'm confessing to y'all. I, I have to wrestle this. I'm, I'm all, I always assume somebody must have dropped the ball. When I see people's lives in struggle, I begin to think, well, who didn't instruct them? Who didn't teach them? Who wasn't corrective in there or didn't bring rebuke to them? Who didn't discipline them? Where's the problem at? Why is that happening? Why, why? Why, why do our kids go astray? Why, why do families split? Why do all these things happen? And when I, when I think about it, the Lord always takes me back to dad. I remember my dad and how, I mean, he made every effort to father me. He made every effort to father me. And some of the stuff that he tried to teach me, I just didn't listen to him. Amen. I mean, I just didn't listen. I, 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 I just didn't listen. I, I, I just didn't pay attention. I have times now with my boys, we'll be talking about something. They'll ask me a question, and I'll start telling them the answer. And I'm, I, okay, I'm a little detailed when I give answers. <laughs> my kids will say, can you, just, can you just give me like half of that? I don't need to know. If it's a six or a 12-point socket or if it's a three-eighth or a half-inch drive, I just need to know the size of it. And, and it, if 
if I have to use an extender to break it loose, is it okay? Or is can I can I guess at torquing it down? Can you know just? And I'm like trying to tell them where everything's at and where I've got all everything hid in the shop, where my torque is, and, I, and how to set the torque. And, all. and they're like, no, 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 let me figure that part out. So I, I, I remember Dad trying to tell me stuff, and maybe he was a little bit like that. I've told the stories about Dad, about him saying change oil, oil filter, and lube his car, uh, and how he'd say change oil filter and lube. And so I'd go out and change oil filter and then lube it, and he'd say, how did it only take one quarter oil? Because you said change oil filter. He said, no, no, there's a comma in there. No, no, you didn't put a comma in there. And so, so, so I listened, but I listened based off of what I wanted to hear. We listened, we listened, but we listened for, for what, for the, we listened, let's say it, let's say it, let's say it. We listened for the shortcut, <laughs> right? How can I get to the end the shortest possible way, you know? And, and, and when I failed to listen, I found that I always, I mean, I, I mean, I had to learn the hard way. I had to learn the hard way how to do the right thing so often. I, I what, it wasn't his fault. It wasn't dad's fault that I was hard-headed, that I was rebellious, or that I was stubborn. I couldn't blame anybody for that. I, you look at me in the faults in my life, and you can't look at my dad and say, well, it must have been because of him. It wasn't because of him. It's because of sin nature. It, it is because of the old man. It's because of unsurrendered will. It's because of everything that was in me. Amen. And that's where we find ourselves here when he looked at this guy and they asked the question, why is he like this? Listen to verse 3. Jesus' answer was not because of his sins or his parents' sins. Jesus answers, this happened so the power of God could be seen in him. What? What? What does that even mean? What's it? He's blind so God will heal him? Come on. you got to be kidding me. That seems unfair, doesn't it? I mean, what it means is I'm saved, and those things that happen to me are God moments. They're God opportunities to show his power to the lost world. The things that I did that I, I didn't listen to, that I found myself in trouble over, that I got into so, I got into so many dark places at times, I, I, it'd be easy to blame somebody else, but... but, but Ultimately, because God loves me and he saved me, it's for the glory of God. Amen. And so, so there are those areas in life and relationship that seem so dark as if we're blind like this guy was. Blind to the moment, blind to the opportunity, blind to the, moment, to the things that are going on around us. But God is in that darkness. God is about to bring light. God is about to do something supernatural. Uh, I heard somebody say, uh, uh, I think it was Friday night, they prayed this prayer. God, we're going to do the natural, and we're going to pray and let you do the supernatural. Amen? Is that not what this is about? Is that not what we're after? When we think about who God is and what he's doing in our lives, God is in your darkness, and he's about to bring his light, and he brings it so that he can show his power to a lost world. Are you ready for that? Because that's what we're all believing for. That's what we're ready for. That's what we're asking for. Verse 5, verse 4 and 5, sorry. We must quickly carry out the task assigned to us by the one who sent us. The night is coming, and then no one can work. But while I'm here in this world, I am the light of the world. So all of a sudden, we have a blind guy that they're wondering what happened with him, the disciples, they asked Jesus, whose fault was this? Jesus says, ah, it's nobody's fault. It's the, so that the power of God can be shown to the lost world around you. And then he says, before he does anything else, now look, you got, you got tasks. You got work to do. You listen to me? You got work to do. And it's been assigned to you. You've received it. And the night's coming when you're not going to be able to do that work. So you need to be busy about that work. You need to be busy about that that I've given you, that work, those tasks, those assignments. We have this task assigned. We have this work we're to do. So, so let's get it done. Let's do what he's called us to do. Let's, let's do it. Let's think this way. Let's do it for the glory of God that the power of God can be seen 
in the, in the world around us so that the lost world can see who he is and what he's done. Verse 6, watch what happens here. Then, so he's just got through, they've looked at the blind guy, they've asked the question, he looked and explained that it was for the power of God to be shown. Then he turns to them and said, hey, you've got work to do. You've got work to do. You've been given an assignment, so you need to be busy about it because there's a night coming, you're not going to be able to work. Then he turns around and he says, then it says, then he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, spread the mud over the blind man's eyes and told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. Man, there's a few things about that that's confusing to me. This guy's blind. He's smearing mud over his eyes and he's sending him somewhere. That's the <laughs> now we're getting down to hard work and working hard. Amen? So all of a sudden, he gives him this task. Look, you're going to go wash this off of your face. He smears mud over eyes that don't work. He says, go wash it at the pool. So, he, so the blind man knows where the pool is. He's got some sense of direction, but it's still going to be hard work. He's still going to have to make his way to that pool, and he's going to have to wash it out. But when he does what he's told to do, man, glory to God, listen. When he does what he's told to go, he comes back seeing, the Scripture says. Is that not what we're all after? We, my work, my work, your work is to do the Father's bidding. My work is to make him known. Here's our work. Our work, we are the blind beggar in this, and we are hopeless. We are, we are in need of a Savior. We're in need of a healer, a deliverer, and we need the vision that only he can give and only he has the power to deliver. So, so we need his touch on our eyes. We need God to touch our vision so that we can see who he is around us and what he's doing in the lives of those that he's placed in our lives. We need that vision. We need the ability to see his work around us so that we can join him in that work. We need him to give us vision of our of our niece, of our child, of our co-worker who's struggling, who's hurting, who has need. And our job is to work hard to get to them and to deliver them the message that we've received. We have, he saved us, healed us, delivered us so that we'd be able to do this work that he's commissioned to do, which is what it tells us in Matthew 20, go and make disciples of all nations. We're supposed to be bringing people to Christ. Verses 8 through 11, listen to what it says. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, Hey, isn't that the guy that used to sit and beg? Some said he was, and others said, Nah, nah, nah. He just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, Yeah, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I'm the same one. You ever been around people where once you cry, you remember when Jesus saved you you remember that you remember how excited you were about that and how you went home and when you went home people said oh no 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 you're not you, you, you're the same yeah you, you, I mean, you, you're not that no no and you're going no 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 i'm new i'm new i can see now i can see now i got this i i, I here's what jesus did for me so because that's what was happening here. I'm the same one there. Who healed you? What happened? And he told them, the man that they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash them yourself. So I went and washed, and now I can see. So I'm going to give you a couple of thoughts here this morning. If you find yourself like the beggar here, not sure what you need, just always Always asking people who pass by for help. Always looking for a new answer, a new way. Always searching. I mean, you can find an answer to anything on Google, so you're out there searching for it. Looking for someone or something who's going to give you some answers. Maybe answering answers that you're looking for, that, you're, that you, you've got in your mind already that you need. But you still can't see. You just can't see. You can't... It, uh, it, it, you, you, you know what a blind person can't see? They can't see what's right in front of them. Amen. You can't see what's right in front of you. What is right in front of you? Jesus. 
Jesus. The Father's expression of love to you. Your Creator's expression of unconditional love to you. You just can't see it. So what is right in front of you is your salvation. It's your healing. It's your deliverance. It's your work. John, James, I'm going to read a verse to you from James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25, if you're writing your note, in your notes where we're reading from, James 1, 22 through 25. But don't, listen, don't just listen to God's word. Let's do what it says, otherwise you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. I'm going to stop right there. Y'all know those folks. We were somewhere. Where were we? Were we together the other day? I think it was me and you. And some guy was doing something around his vehicle, and I said, hey, look at the back of that guy's head. You remember that? Yeah. He had a lot of hair. Boy, he had a huge, big flat spot right here, and it was all sort of fanning out from around, you know. And it was evident he had been smothering the back of his head in a pillow hard for a while. And obviously, it didn't bother him. He got up and went about his day's work, and it, it didn't phase him. You know, if he did look in the mirror, he didn't look that direction. <laughs> Amen. You know what I'm talking about. You know, folks. You know what I'm saying. You know, they, you look at him and you go, ah, oh, you want to, you know. You know, none of your buttons are lined up. <laughs> did you look? Did you take time? You know, I'm, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm just saying there's people around us that they look, they don't notice it. They don't remember. They don't see it, you know. And you look at that and you wonder about it. So, so here's what he says. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. I mean, isn't that what we want? How many of y'all want God to bless you? Bless you for doing it. For doing what? For looking intently into what God's word says about us so that we can go do what he's called us to do. Because if we don't look intently about what God says about us, we won't address us and we won't be able to go and do what he's called us to do. We, you, listen, here's your difference. Working hard is when you look, you read, you hear, and you don't listen. And you go out there and you try to do something that's not for the glory of God. Hard work is when you look, you listen, and you apply it. And then when you go out, it's evident that you've been in the presence of Jesus. And God blesses it. So here we go. When I get up every day, I'm not surprised at all. I wish I had a dad, a picture of dad. I'm not surprised when I see dad uh, every morning. I, I could go into the bathroom and there standing in front of me is dad. I mean, not literally, but those who know Frankie know I'm Frankie. I mean, I, I'm Frankie Boy Wooten. That was his name, by the way. They didn't have a good middle name, so they put boy. Let's just call him boy. So Frankie Boy. So uh, not in the flesh, but in the mirror, I see him. I, I find myself looking more and more like him every day. I, I even sound like him at times. I, I'm, I'm not ashamed of that. I love my dad. Dad was super, but, but how is it possible I'm turning into my dad? Don't y'all love the commercials where the guy is always trying to help people who are getting more, you know, they, yeah. do we use the speakerphone when we're in the, in the department store? No, we don't, you know. I love the one where they're up there and they got their little signs and there's no cussing, no, and he throws it in the trash can. No, you're not going to be that person. It's not that I don't want to be my dad. It's just there's some quirks probably I don't need. But, but, so, so here's what I'm getting at. It's easy for me to look like dad. He put his marks on me. He put his marks on me. Uh, I got his ears. I got his nose. I got his smile. I got a lot of his personality and his genes in me, his nature, his character traits, um, his drive. He has super willpower, very, very, very driven, his initiative, uh, his love for family, his care uh, for people. Dad took care of I, I had a um, I had a niece I called the other day, 
her father had passed away. It was my uncle, and he, um, I got the notice sort of the day of that there was a service and all, and so long story there. But I ended up calling the oldest of the six girls that he had, Melissa. And this was a couple, about a month, month and a half back, a couple of months. Um, and I called her, and finally I got, got her on the phone. She answered, and I told her who, it was me, and because we, we hadn't talked in years. And she said, oh, I, I'm glad you called. I'm sorry we didn't let you know in time about the funeral graveside. It was only a graveside. And she said, but we just, you know, she talked a little bit about it. And then she, she said, she started crying. She said, I hadn't talked to you about this, but I wanted to thank you. And more so, I want to thank your dad for who he's been, you guys have been to me. And she started telling, she had gone through a divorce and experienced sort of a nervous breakdown through all that about five years, six years back. And she literally found herself in her home, unable, just almost immobile. And dad heard about it. And I didn't know this. I, I didn't know this about dad. But every day, dad would get up, mom would get up, he would get ready. And for almost a month, he would drive out to Melissa's house, go in and sit in the house with her and just sit there. And she said, your dad was the living expression of Jesus to me for one month. And she said, I would wake up and walk in and he'd be sitting in my, room, in my living room and he'd speak to me and he'd make me something to eat, fix coffee for me, do anything I needed and just sit back down. And he'd just sit there. Dad wasn't a book reader, so I'm sure he just sat there. <laughs> Probably didn't know how to turn TV on, so he just sat there. And he'd generate a little conversation, and she said, I'd, I'd, I'd just say, I got to go lay back down, or Frankie, I got to go in there and lay down. And he'd say, that's fine, I'll be here when you get up. And he'd stay there. Till the afternoon. She said, sometimes I'd wake up and he'd be gone. But she said that happened almost every day for over a month. And she said, I began to come out of it. And God began to talk to me and show me things. And she says, I'm alive today because of your dad. That's my legacy. Now, that's hard work. I'll never forget while in Promise Keepers, right after it started in 93, I went to, I went to uh, Boulder, Colorado to, for a conference. First conference I'd ever been to, 52,000 men in uh, the stadium there. And I'll never forget uh, a story told in that conference about a guy who had been, who'd, who'd written and become, you know, had become a, quite the story many, many years back. But the story was about him coming to Christ. He, he was imprisoned and he had, there were open bars around the outside and people could come up and speak to the prisoners. And he, the, he had been interviewed about his salvation. And he said, yes, yeah. so he said, I was he said, I, I came to Christ because of one priest that would return every day to the gate and he would come up and he would call out to me. For some reason, he picked me out and he would call out to me and he would share the love of Christ with me and tell me the story of Jesus. And he said, it, it, it just, he said I just refused him. I wouldn't even go over and talk to him. I'd, I would walk away. I'd go off the yard. I avoided the yard for days. And he said, I'd come back, and there he'd be standing, and he'd spot me, and he'd call me out, and he'd call to me. And he said, finally, I got to where I'd walk over to him, and I would let him talk to me. I'd keep my distance. And he said, I'd listen. And finally, he would stop, and then he would pray, and he would leave. And he said, I, he said, I just, I didn't, 
He said, I, I didn't want to hear it. I didn't believe there was any hope. There was any possibility that what he was saying could be true towards me. But he said, I kept going back. And as I'd go out in the yard every day, this guy would be there. And he said, I'd hear him. And I, he said, finally, I got to where I'd walk up. I'd talk with him and have conversation. And he said, finally, one day I decided, you know what? If what you're saying is true, and if God can really show me that he loves me and touch me and free me from this oppression that I feel I'm in and under, then I want to try it. And he said, I prayed the prayer of salvation at that gate that day, and everything that was dark in my life became light. And the interviewer said, that's amazing. How many days did it take for that to happen? And the man said, the priest returned to that gate for 13 years. He was there every day for 13 years before I accepted the message. That's hard work. That's hard work. I guess where I'm going with this is What's the purpose of the mirror? It's intended to remind us what we look like and to reveal to us what we need to change in order to be presentable, right? That's why we all looked in the mirror this morning. We wanted to fix our hair and make sure that there was nothing in our teeth and make sure our nose was clean. I had to watch the little hairs that start growing now. So. I mean, I'm older. I mean, let's admit that. <laughs> Had to work on that, you know. I mean, it's, it's, this is hard work, y'all. <laughs> I'm working hard at it. <laughs> We're intended to be. I, I found this phrase. Y'all, y'all heard spitting image. We're intended to be the spitting image of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The Morris Dictionary of Word and Phrase Origins, there's a book out there called that, by the way. The Morris Dictionary of Word and Phrase Origins says, spitting image, the statement spitting image comes from the word spitting, which we know one thing means to eject something out of the mouth, but ultimately what it means is speaking likeness we're supposed to be the spitting image we're supposed to be speaking the likeness of the image that we see in his mirror we're supposed to be speaking the likeness of Christ to the world how long did Jesus comfort you How many days did he stand at the gate for you? How many hours has he spent sitting with you in the dark, in the difficult, in the struggles of life? You see, when we look at this, we should be speaking likeness in such a way that when others hear, they hear Jesus. So 2 Timothy gives us this word. It's chapter 2, verse 15. 2 Timothy 2, 15, it says, work hard. (laughs) Finally found it. I finally got to it, y'all. Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. To be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. So that we're speaking likeness. So that we're the spitting image the spitting image we'll close with two thoughts here first is this paul tells us i mean he tells timothy he's talking to timothy but to us also but he tells timothy work hard work hard to do what to present yourself right so work hard to present you i've told stories about dad and me at the service station i won't rehash those but dad come to my mind through this whole sermon as i was prepping it and i'll tell you dad always wanted me to work hard. He always wanted me to work hard when it came to doing stuff for others. And I 
I, I mean, I wasn't, I'll tell you, I wasn't raised in a very abstract world. It was really black and white, very objective for dad. It was very black and white for dad. Um, if, I, if I did what dad instructed me to do, I'd end up, it'd end up really good for me, and it, it ended up blessing other people. If I didn't, it didn't, they didn't, and I got in trouble. Amen? And so, so, so I learned early that obeying instructions was extremely important because here's the bottom line. When we talk about working hard to present ourselves, uh, we're talking about uh, uh, there's more to instructions than just obeying. There's more to instructions than just obeying. To, to obey an, an, a directive, first you've got to listen to the directive. You've got to hear it. You've got to take it in. You've got to process it. You've got to apply it. I, I, I need to hear what to do before I go out and do something dumb because I didn't listen. Amen? I mean, like the oil change that time. I, I, I just heard what I wanted to hear, and I pieced it together the way I wanted to think about it. And then in the end, I got in trouble for that, and the person with the vehicle would have gotten in trouble had Dad not caught him. So, so this is where hard work begins. Hard work begins with listening. Listening to God, listening to the Spirit, listening to what the Word of God says. It begins, it, it requires attentiveness, a focus on the words, a focus on what he's, what he's saying. To work hard, we have to focus on what we're being told to do. Then go work hard at it. Then do what we're told to do. Boy, wouldn't it be awesome if our kids did that? Ah, <laughs> oh, man, how awesome would that be? Man, oh, man. I mean, Dad's a Jesus right now. Amen to me. Boy, I wish that. Amen. I wish that would have happened. I mean, how are, how are you doing when it comes to what God's Word says to you? How, how would you rate yourself in the area of listening from a scale of 1 to 10? One being, you don't hear nothing. You won't remember a word we said right now. And 10 being, I got every, every single word you, I, I mean, I got it. I'm going to go home and read this, and I'm going to apply it. How would your friends, so let's get down to the nitty-gritty. How would your friends judge your obedience to God's word if all they had as criteria was what they see you doing? If all they had to judge off of is what they see you doing, how would they say you're doing in the area of listening to what God's Word says? Second, Paul says to present yourself to God to receive his approval. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't, I, in no way am I negating the grace of God in this statement. Because the scripture says we got to work hard. So, yes, the grace of God has come to me. I've received the salvation that comes by grace through faith. That not of myself, it's a gift from God. Amen? And so I get that. I've received that. I've been, I've been saved by the grace of God. Say amen again. Amen. amen. I've been saved by the grace. I've been saved, and his grace is sufficient to keep what I've committed to him against that day. I mean, when, when this life is over, I'm going to meet my Savior. I'm going to meet my Creator and my Maker. I'm, I'm good. I'm, I feel good about that. I'm in Christ. There's no doubt about that. I'm saved, and I know it according to 2 Timothy 3.13. It says, if we're faithless, he remains faithful. And he can't, because he can't disown himself. So he's made this promise, and he's made this commitment. And I mean, even in my worst times, he's true to who he is. I know that to be true. I'm saved, and I, I, I will see him face to face one day. But, but, here's the but. Paul's not talking about salvation right here. He's not talking about salvation right here. Say works. Works. Yeah, works. Works. We don't like works, but anyway, here we go. Works will be how we're judged. Works are how we present ourselves to God. I mean, he's took care of all the dirty stuff through the blood of Jesus. Amen. He's cleansed me, washed me, I'm whole, I'm healed, I'm delivered. Man, I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. The scripture says old things pass away, all things becoming new. I'm, I'm in, I'm in, I got it. I'm, I'm in Christ today, so his blood covers every sin. So a multitude, it says. So, I mean, I'm good. 
I mean, so I'm saved, and I know it. Say amen. amen. But what about the works? What, what about what he's talking about here? What, what do I do with this? Because I'm going to be judged by my works. So, so, so I don't want to just be working hard. I want to do the hard work. I want to do what, what survives the fire. I want to, I, works are how we present ourselves to God. Works get God's approval. So what does worker translate here? Servant. There's a suggested reality in this passage for all servants. It is possible in one way or another to be ashamed of our works. I don't want that. Do you? I don't want to be ashamed of my works. Matter of fact, I believe we'll all be ashamed to some degree over our work. I'm, I mean, let's just face it. Let's just face it. When the fire hits, they stuff I've done ain't going to make it. Because I've built on a lot of my foundations through the years. Say amen. I mean, there's things I've done that I'm going to be ashamed of. I'm going to look at it and go, hmm. You know, I, I mean, I think Debbie and I got a great marriage, but there's going to be some stuff burned probably. <laughs> I mean, we're, I mean, we're going to love each other in the end, but it's, it's going to be rough. I mean, it's going to be rough, y'all. Come on. I mean, there's stuff I've done in ministry. Man, I'm going to watch that stuff go up and smoke and think, man, it's, it's going to go up and smoke, and I'm going to think, I worked so hard at that. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, there's, there's going to be relationships. There's going to be stuff. It's going to be so evident that it was what we valued and God wasn't in it. He just wasn't in it. He just wasn't in it. I think there will be an accounting of our lives before God, and some of the accounting is going to be shameful, let's believe. But he, as he evaluates and judges, and, and he being the one the early church called the judge, the early church, church called him the judge. As he evaluates and judges us, it's apparent that the primary means of being ashamed is by how we handle the word of truth. It's not really about these things I'm doing. It's how I lined up and listened to and reflected on and let it change me into the spitting image of Jesus. It's how I let that word transform me. And the way that happens is for me and you to surrender our lives to God and to get his word in us so we'll begin speaking his word. That's how you do it. So I'm asking this morning, Barry, you want to come up? What are you building, what are you building on? What are you building your house on? What are you building your marriage on? What are you building your future on? What are you building today on? What are you going to build tomorrow on? What are you going to build your work relations on? What are you going to build your career on? What are you going to build on? What are you going to build on? What are you building? What are you going to build your reputation on? What are you going to build on? What are you building on? What are you investing in? What, what words are you speaking? What words are you speaking? What does it look like? I say we start working hard at the hard work. And the hard work, it's pretty clear, is to let God's words transform us. Why is that hard? Why is that hard? It doesn't sound too hard. Why is that hard? Why is that hard? Because it says, don't let any hint, don't let any hint of sexual immorality or impurity be in you. A hint. What is a hint? A hint. A hint. How many of y'all, how many of y'all like Coke products? You like Coke products? I mean, we, I like Coke products. I like Coke products. I get a Diet Coke. I love Diet Coke. When I get a Diet Coke, and it, the 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 um, I, I forget what it's called the oxygen the, the carbonation that's the word when the carbonation in now I get it hand to me I take that first sip and there's not a hint of carbonation there <laughs> it's horrible amen don't you hate flat drinks 
you know. I want you, if you're pouring me a drink, shake it a little bit. Let me see some fizz in that bottle. Give me a little hope here. Not any hint. So, so there's things that the scripture's pretty specific on. So I got to work hard on that because a hint. So how, what is a hint? What is a hint? What is a hint of sexual impurity or immorality? Is it, boy, I got to work on this. I heard it talked about yesterday. The speaker said, so what is a hint? Is a hint, is a, is a hint, a dress item that's a little provocative? Or is that okay? Is a, is a hint, a warning in a movie that you're fixing to watch that says there's going to be some sexual suggestive stuff in this. I, oh, it's okay. I can fast forward through that. But that's a hint. Isn't it? Is that a hint? I don't know. Is there, what is a hint? What is a hint? What is a hint? What? What is a hint? I mean, I got, if, if I'm looking in the mirror and it's calling for me to, to obey this word of truth, where's, where, how, how serious can this be? What is a hint? I mean, I, you guys, you know what, I mean, I mean, is a hint just the accidental typing in of something on YouTube and all of a sudden stuff starts coming up that you go, wow, I didn't expect that to come up. <laughs> but let me just see what that is. You listening to me? What's a hint? What's a hint? What's a hint? <laughs> I, I mean, who wants a good... Who wants a good bottle of clean water with a hint of septic water in it? Let's put one eye drop in it. I don't want that, do you? Jesus doesn't want that either. See, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about hard work. Hard work. To present yourself approved. That's hard work. We got to be working hard at that all the time. That's what it says. We got to be working hard at it all the time. Stand with me. Hey, look, if you're here this morning, it's pretty clear that our job is to work hard at obeying His Word. Our work is to show others what we what he's done for us. I mean, once we start going through the transformation, we can't help but go out and show it to people and tell people about it. Look at my new hairdo. Don't you love it? So, so we want to show what Jesus has done. Listen, look what the Lord has done. We want to tell people that. But hey, that's hard work because we got to go through transformation to get there. We got to have his word in us. We got we got to accept his word and begin to let it bring transformation to us, even in the smallest of ways. We see the scripture in the we see from scripture Jesus offers to each of us the approval that we seek, that we that the love we desire, the forgiveness we need, and the question is pretty simple. We do allow him to love you as he only he can. Will you allow him to love you as only he can? Will you allow him to become the reflection that you're looking at? Him. Not your version of him. Amen? Not, not, not what you perceive him to be. Not what someone else has told you. Get his word. Read his word. And according to what he speaks to you through his word, become that. I tell you what he'll do. He'll get rid of every hint of stuff that doesn't look like him. You'll become the spitting image of him. It'll be hard work. But it'll be so worth it. 
be so worth it. If you're thinking to yourself right now, how? How can he love me knowing what I know and who I am? It's pretty simple. It's pretty simple. It's just, it's just coming to him and saying, Lord, I admit, I admit, I admit, I admit, I admit, I need help. I need forgiveness. There's stuff in me, God, that it'd take a miracle for it to be washed away, and he can do that. It's believing, it's coming to the point that you believe that you, God really does love you because he sent his son to prove that, quit denying that, quit rejecting that reality, accept that God loves you so much that he would give his only son to have a relationship with you today. And then this is hard work, but then just, Confess. Con confess the decision. Confess it to your neighbor, to your roommate, to your wife, to your husband. Confess it to your children. Confess it to everybody around you publicly. Hey, I'm saved. God's forgiven me. Amen. Amen. God has forgiven me. I'm a new person today. And they're going to look at you and say, weren't you the blind person? Weren't you sitting begging? Oh, it can't be you. You're, you just look like them. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm the same one. It's me. Father, we bow. If there's anyone here this morning that needs salvation, God, I pray that your spirit draw them in this moment, at this time. This is their day of salvation. This is their moment to admit, to believe, to confess. This is the hour. This is the hard work. It begins now for them. But it is so good because it begins with grace. It begins with unmerited favor. It begins with unconditional love. If you're here this morning, you need to ask Christ for forgiveness. You need to begin the journey of faith in him in his love to receive forgiveness for that sin to be believe that God's raised him from the dead so that you could have life today that's you will you put your hand up in there anyone anyone anyone